Catch new episodes of Dial the Gate weekends at youtube.com slash dialthegate. And for the latest schedule, visit dialthegate.com. Hello, and welcome to Dial the Gate. My name is David Reed. I really appreciate you tuning in. This episode is going to explore another one of our content creators. And by content creators, I mean the, the fans who make my set possible. The Atlantis model and this replicator model here. Is that all that he's done? I think that's it. Kevin Sabo of 3DTech.pro is going to be joining us for a pre-recorded episode. But before we really get into this one, if you like Stargate and you want to see more content like this show on YouTube, it would mean a great deal to me. And if you click that like button, it makes a difference with YouTube's algorithm and will help the show continue to grow its audience. Please also consider sharing this video with a Stargate friend. And if you want to get notified about future episodes, click the subscribe icon. Giving the bell icon a click will notify you the moment a new video drops and you'll get my notifications of any last-minute guest changes. This is key if you plan on watching uh, the show live for, for live episodes because our actors are very busy and sometimes they get called away for another project or things come up. And clips from this show will be released over the course of the next few weeks on the uh, Dial the Gate uh, YouTube channel as we move into summer. This is a pre-recorded episode, uh, so the moderators will not be taking any questions from the community. I hope you enjoy, though, because Kevin is uh, one of the more amazing people that I've encountered in Stargate fandom, and he is ex exceptionally uh, talented in creating um, pieces like this. Actually, that's almost exactly like that. So let's bring on Kevin and chat about 3D models. Kevin Sabo, 3DTech.pro owner. How are you doing, Kevin? Uh, doing okay. What about yourself? I'm all right. Now, where are you in the world? Um, I currently reside in uh, Hungary. Um, okay. Uh, in a small town, actually, pretty small town. So it's nothing too major, nothing big. Um, okay. Chill, I guess. All right. Is it? Uh, is this the kind of the kind of town that produces tech heads like us? You know, or is it more of like? A... Like producing more more classic uh, things, like is it an oil town? What what what's what's your up what's your upbringing like? What's what's well, um, it's you. like um, well, I used to live in the UK for thirty okay. years actually, so I quite recently moved back to Hungary. So like in the UK, it was really different. Like there was a lot of big cities, a lot of people around me, I guess you know. And uh, here it's just much more chill, I guess. It's um, a really small town, friendly neighbors, like neighbors because everyone knows everyone. Okay. So back there, it was quite different. I grew up in a town of uh, 5,500 people and wow. everybody knows everybody. <laughs> Everybody's skeletons yeah. <laughs> are in full view. Everybody talks. So how did yep. you fall in love with Stargate? Tell us about your, tell us your Stargate story. Actually, that was uh, probably due to my dad. Like, he used oh. to watch it quite a lot back in the day. Like, uh, I think he watched it, like, three times, like, the whole thing. And then every time he watched it, when I was, like, the age of five, six, seven, I was always, like, there watching oh. it with him. 
And then when I grew a bit older, I actually uh, wanted to watch the whole thing, like when I actually remember stuff. So then I started to watch it and then I actually enjoyed it a lot. Like, um, I guess a lot of uh, people my age don't actually find anything intriguing about it, but it just uh, kind of hits different for me, I guess. <laughs> How old are you? I am 23, uh, just turned 23. Okay, so Universe was finishing up just about the time that you were turning into a teenager. Yep, basically. So, so it's compared to me, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Big difference. So have you gone back and watched the whole franchise from beginning to end? What's uh, how, how have you approached the content and, and which, which of the series are your favorite? Um, I've uh, watched the whole thing, I think, two times all over. Uh, SG-1, Atlantis, and Universe as well. I would probably say Atlantis is uh, probably the my go-to to watch. I enjoyed that uh, a lot. And like, there was a lot of good store storylines in there. I think that was the best, in my opinion. <laughs> How did this translate to from a, a love of Stargate Atlantis to creating content uh, like this? Well, um, I it's quite the of, leap. Uh, yeah, it is. I kind of found a um, hobby in three um, D printing and the tech technical side of things, and then uh, I started to actually three D model a lot of things um, before Star Stargate as well. So I did have like a pretty good experience a couple of years beforehand, and then I kind of translated it into uh, Stargate because there wasn't many files around um a year ago or two when i start, started this whole thing and uh i kind of enjoyed like having some uh, models on my desk or like something around the house or whatever and uh that's why i kind of started to print it i guess it was a long process to actually get there finish it model it and then actually seeing it on my desk which turned out to be great at the end what software do you use to to uh to design these these 3d renders I actually used to. I use a uh, Blender and I use uh, Fusion 360. A bit of both uh, helps, I guess, not just one. Blender and Fusion 360. Yep, those okay. are the ones. Are, are are these free or do you have to pay for them? Uh, Blender is free for anyone to use and learn. There's a lot of guides as well. Uh, Fusion 360 has a monthly uh, subscription, but it's uh, like twenty euros or so around the month, so it's not that bad. And what are the benefits of using Fusion 360 that 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 your money gets you over over Blender? Uh, Blender is really complicated, I guess. It's it's free, but it covers a lot of things from uh, rendering, animation, uh, 3D models. Basically, it gives you the whole get together of a lot of paid things. But uh, it's really hard to learn and master to use. With Fusion 360, you get a lot of uh, um things that are ready to go free and quick basically wow what's the first stargate item that you created that is a really good question i think <laughs> it was a <laughs> i think it was a um stargate atlantis keychain fob i think that was the first one i created that was a uh, i think i created that with one of my school friends back in the day and we uploaded it to a random site and then after I kind of lost it, and then after I found it, and I was like, I'm going to make this again. So I remade the whole thing, and it actually looked much uh, better than the first one. <laughs> so how long does it take to th uh, 3D render something like like this? You know, I'm I'm assuming did you, did you 3D render this one? 
Um, I I kind of there was a file uploaded which okay. was like there was a base of this basically, and I added the the details, some of the insides. So it was kind of like a um, I know it was like a seventy thirty work. Like most of it was done. I just um, added a lot to this one. Basically, it was a free to use file as well. Oh, okay. Because this one actually has a semi complete interior. If you look at it, yes, it does. It's one of the cool yep. things about uh, it because yes, it does. <laughs> it's like inside and out. It's the puddle jumper. It's so nifty. So, um, is this has this always been um, a passion for you, regardless of whether or not you were making any anything off of it? Oh, of course. Yeah, I used to model. I think I had over. Uh, 1,000 hours in Blender before I actually started to, like, uh, make some money out of it, I suppose. Like, so this was a long passion for me even before, like, the whole shop and everything else put together. What do you think of the competence of the 3D modeling community? Do you think that it's kind of all over the place? Or do you think that uh, most of the people out there who are figuring this stuff out are pretty proficient or are just, you know just making random crap with it what 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 is what is the base out there like well uh that's a really good question because there's two communities to this there's the guys that uh model and the guys that actually print oh so most people that print don't really know how to model and they just kind of um talk about everyone else being bad or worse or whatever (laughs) and they don't actually put the effort and energy in to do something good i guess you know (laughs) okay that's the issue and the guys that actually model can actually understand what's going on and how it should be made up and how it's printed because the guys that uh, model everything understand like how it's going to print how it's going to work what it's going to do what the end result will be so they actually have a lot more to say uh information wise that is actually beneficial than someone who just prints i guess so someone who has a printer as someone who has a printer and models mm-hmm. at the same time, mm-hmm. what are the pitfalls that you can anticipate in building a model to save yourself time um, on the printing end that someone who doesn't print would not even think of when designing a model? Is there an example or two that you can think of? Um, I'm curious. Yes, there would be. Because uh, the, the printers edges. have limitations. Yes, they do. Exactly. Like size-wise and uh like everything we print has supports, most of them, but the way we try to print is adding less supports to make the model look clean. So what uh, most modelers tend to do as a mistake is they tend to make like these overlapping 90 degree bends, which therefore result in you adding supports, which therefore results in a, le- a lesser quality print. And uh, sometimes you just got to consider like, is it worth having that edge there or can you round it off to make it smoother, for, in- for instance? That would be one of the main things, I think. Wow. So there's a there are circumstances where, you know, so like the supports that you're talking about are parts of mm-hmm. the model that are built into the, the printing process that you then cut off. I'm guessing. Yes. Uh, those cases. are kind of, they, yeah, they just uh, hold the model up basically until the printer finishes printing it because wow. there's like a printer can't print into thin air. So that's why we use the support. <laughs> <Right>. better. <laughs> but like every time, like uh, there's a support, there's always a uh, cleanup work to do. So that's the downfall of it, I guess. So the trick is always probably a balance between uh, uh, accuracy in the model and making it so that the most minimal amount of cleanup work is done. Yes, exactly. Exactly. How much does a typical 3D printer cost nowadays? 
typical well you can get like there's the budget ones there's the intermediate and there's like the more expensive ones the budget ones can go for around 100 bucks if you just want wow. one on your desk but it's those cheaper than require... a paper printer <laughs> but those do actually require a lot of uh, maintenance and work so that's like uh that's something to keep in mind. <laughs> what were the initial, because I mean, these things have been around as long as you've been in a, a teenager, you know, in common use. Yeah. I remember being at the Phoenix Science Center. It had to have been 13, 14 years ago and they were demoing one. And that was when they were becoming, you know, just beginning to be a thing. Uh, mm -hmm. It couldn't have been 14 years ago. It had to have been more like 10. Uh, but th I imagine that model had cost five, ten thousand dollars wow yeah it's that's, just that's absolutely <laughs> i mean they've they've come down in price so substantially it's watch like watching the flat screen tv market over the years it's just been mm -hmm. extraordinary watching that that transform as i'm sure you have as a consumer for these devices oh yeah like uh back when i think i started the printers weren't actually this cheap that that they are now they were actually like the cheapest one i found was like three four hundred bucks back then wow. uh that was like a okay-ish quality one um, but now you can actually get like a really good quality one for around 350 and you can actually buy some extra parts to make it a, a better upgraded ver version, I suppose. So, What's the model number of the, of the uh, 3D printer that you use most commonly? I'm curious. I want to take a look at it. Um, we have actually eight printers. So oh if God. you count the <laughs> if you count the resin ones, we have ten because we have two uh, resin printers. Okay, and give me an example most, of a yeah. One I that think the we one can take a look at the, like the issue is with ours. Like we have ours upgraded to like it doesn't even look like the stock one that you buy. <laughs> so oh. it's a uh, completely different with a uh, new like hot ends, like a uh, new PSU, new screen, uh, different uh, motors, so drivers and everything. So it doesn't even look like the base stock model, I guess. Wow, you do enough business to warrant eight devices. Um, yes, currently we do have a lot of printing to do. <laughs> Are you printing something at the moment? Um, most likely, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Jeez. Like most of the time we have about, um, four to six on and working constantly. Wow. And we usually have one or two. That's like, if something just like slips in, we, we can just actually make sure to get it, uh, on demand because wow. most of our stuff ships out in like, um, at most five working days so we usually ship in two to three days of uh, a per purchase because we actually keep a good stock of the things we have so it's not actually made on the spot every time so not only are we talking uh the printers but we're talking um uh, uh the 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 stuff that makes them it's it, you're not using resin are you for for items um, like this but items like that, no. Uh, we actually have a small resin uh, version of that one, which is like, uh, I think this big, around a couple of centimeters, like an inch or two. That's uh, resin printed, but uh, most of our stuff is uh, printed with uh, plastic. Okay. And it's, how how does that plastic appear? Is it like in a in a spool? Is it, yeah, how does it's it, how a, does it appear? it's a spool. It's basically like a round spool. It usually comes in a one uh, kilogram of a uh, package, but uh, we usually buy two and a half sometimes just to make it last longer. And it's much more price efficient as well if you buy a bigger spool, I guess. And uh, we use a couple of different kinds. We sometimes use a PLA Plus, PET-G, or a 
FPS as well, which we currently are actually stopping the use of because it's not too environmental friendly. And we actually want to uh, give back to the environment because we do work with a lot of uh, plastic. Or at least not take away from it as much as you can. Exactly, so, exactly. Um, so what happens in, in the chamber? So it's a pressurized chamber on the inside. And I imagine this plastic gets heated. What's, what's, what's yes, occurring uh, when these things are created? So um, basically, we have the hot end, which uh, refers to like the heated part of the printer, and that uh, squeezes the uh, plastic through it, and it heats up to a certain temperature. So most plastics melt at 190 uh, Celsius, um, but we usually do like around 210 because that gives us a really nice smooth uh, layering finish on the outer edges of the plastic. 392 um, degrees so you're basically you're basically cooking a pizza in there basically yes Jeez. we can call it that yeah okay basically and that gets pushed through and then the rest is the printer's job to like find the co- the coordinates on where to go wow so just a little <laughs> bit more sophisticated than a hot glue gun maybe i'm not too sure <laughs> <laughs> a hot glue the glue sticks are are hard and then they go into the glue gun and yeah. they come out the other side liquid. So <laughs> what yeah. is uh, the most common item that you guys are producing these days? Common. Wow. That's a really good question. <laughs> uh, common would probably be, I think Atlantis. That's the most one that gets uh, sold, like the smaller versions, I think. Really? So around 21, 21 centimeters to 31. Those are the most bought items, I guess. Well, this one over here, um came from you guys as well is this the bigger one that you guys make yeah that's the big version we have like a simple one which is like super thin and that one is the uh thicker one i guess (laughs) okay yeah well it's my it's my favorite in the collection for sure along with the um the the standard uh replicator here as well which i never thought i never dreamed in all my years of watching that show that i would own one when that came in um, I was really, I was really, t- I'm, I'm still, I'm still over the moon that I have it. And the, the, the frame that you, that you built for it to be delivered in, it came like in its own, with its own wooden struts and supports and everything else. It was a whole process, you know, the shipping, yeah. it, shipping is a completely <laughs> other dimension of this, of this business that you have to consider. Yeah. Um, for the replicator, you can all thank my dad for that one. It was his idea. It was his shipping. It was everything he made that completely his. Wow. Now, have how often do you have issues uh, in transport where something breaks? Um, it's not so much if something breaks. We do have issues like that. It's more so of actually uh, getting the item delivered, I guess, because okay. uh, most shipping companies just don't even let you know they sent you a package and it just gets sent back to us so it <sighs> happens quite a bit that it just gets sent back and they don't get a not- notif- notification that they actually have something to get i guess so That's it's at the other issue. end and the customer is never notified exactly and oh, then gosh. they come to us saying it's never delivered and they right. look at the tracking information so yeah that's, that's the major backfall. the thing that frustrates me about the modern age in addition to e-checks taking three to five business days to clear from one end to the other, uh, is uh, shipping networks. The the tracking numbers don't carry 
completely when you cross from one border into another in many cases. They just stop exactly. working. And it's like, exactly. can we not all keep track? Can we not all get like a universal code, <laughs> barcodes to scan from one end to the other so that yep. we can see what's going on there? We have a lot of issues with that as well. It never tracks when it leaves, for instance, to um, USA or Australia or somewhere like uh, far away, I guess. In Europe, it most of the time works. Um, but like when it goes outside, it's just a complete chaotic mess. You'd think that we as a species would have solved that by now. I mean, it's been, what, 50 years since we've been to the moon? You'd think <laughs> yeah. we could get... And we've got the internet. We've clearly got the infrastructure. But it's some... Exactly. It's, just, it's like, what's what's going on? Anyway, that's so weird. Tell me it about is. that enormous Destiny model that I've seen photos of that you created. Oh, wow. That's a long story. That was, I think, my second print, actually, ever made. <laughs> That was, uh, I kind of uh, got the file and then it was from a fishy site back in the day because that, 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 that was about two years ago when I started this whole thing. It wasn't even a completely made far file at that stage. I actually had to split it up into eight parts and then wow. have to add some modeling into it as well because it kind of looked a little plain, especially at that size. It was like one meter long. So it was a really big uh, model to do, I guess. Wow. And how much would something like that go for if someone were to request that of you? That is, uh, like, currently we can actually make it in four parts instead of eight. Oh, okay. I, because I, I had one printer back in the day, so now it looks uh, much uh, cleaner, much better. But um, it kind of depends on where you are located with the shipping prices as well. So that's so it all varies. Question. Yeah, and okay. if you want it half assembled or fully assembled, painted or not painted. So it's all a different question there. Okay. Tell me about your website, 3dtech.pro. What services do you offer and, and what can what can people see? So I I went there um, today and it takes you to the Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, we currently have a, a little bit of maintenance issue with the site. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I see. Okay. Be, yeah. It should be getting fixed soon. Like uh, we are updating it as of now. I think it should last a couple of days and then it should be up and going again. Okay. So by the time but, this um, airs, so, 3D Tech Pro will be, will be yeah. functional. Uh, basically, yes, it should be. Yeah. Um, okay. So what we offer is uh, print on demand is like, uh, I think everyone offers that, I guess. So it's not something we uh, personally, um, I say, advertise because you can get that basically. Okay. Like around the core, core, core corner of where you live right now. <laughs> like everyone okay. does that. We do uh, some business works as well. So uh, for companies, we usually do like uh, key, key, keychain fobs with their logos or, for instance, something linked to your car logo or to, I would say, car de- dealerships. We get uh, a couple of those sometimes and they actually ask for their like branding. And every time they sell a car, they give that to their customers. So we oh. sometimes do a lot of those. Okay. And of course, uh, modeling works. That's basically uh, everything we offer as a company. Wow. Did you see this becoming as, as big a deal as it is? Did you see it becoming as um, as as huge as it, ha- as it has become? I mean, your whole family works, works on this thing. I can't imagine yeah, my basically. dad working with me. My gosh. That's, that's, a, whole, that's a whole trip. <laughs> 
Well, not really. When I first started, this was kind of like a hob hob hobby to me. And mm -hmm. then when I looked at like a couple of uh, web pages, shared it on uh, face Facebook, and everyone was like, "Damn, these are really good. Can can I buy some?" And I was like, uh, "Sure thing." And then I only had one printer back then, so I was actually booked up for two or two or three weeks straight. Like that's how much uh, printing I had to do back then with one printer. So after that, it just grew exponentially, I suppose. Wow. What do you want to create that you haven't yet from a Stargate perspective, if there is anything or outside of Stargate? I'm curious. Wow. So, okay, that's a good question. Uh, currently, like we are moving into like the gaming section as well for okay. like uh, gamers, I guess. So like um, weapon models, printed models and stuff like that. So I'm kind of looking to create a few uh different guns from uh apex i currently have a few made and printed already so you're referring to apex nice. legends yeah apex right. yes exactly uh currently have a few and i'm planning to make a couple more since they are pretty uh they're pretty they sell pretty well i guess that's what i'm trying to say okay um from a stargate perspective i am actually currently working on a um how do you call it um the juffers wear like the big uh, metal helmet things like the snake ones. Oh, I you're talking, yeah, the, the serpent guard helmets and the serpent guard helmet. That's, okay. Yeah. So I'm currently working on a unique version of one of those. Ah. It, I have actually put a lot of time into that one. So it should be ready, I think, in a couple of months of printing and designing and testing and all the flaws. See. So that's currently in production. So you're, you're not looking to make a screen accurate one, you're looking to make a, a unique style all your own? Um, exactly. It okay. will refer to the screen accuracy somewhat, but there is a couple of twists in it as well. Wow. I'm looking forward to seeing that. That's going to be cool. <laughs> so any, uh, Stargate, uh, weapons? Um, there are a lot of, uh, Stargate weapon models up already. So that's why I didn't really, um, okay. bother with those, I guess. The only one I made was, was the, uh, sarcophagus because I have found no far, far files related for that one. And we are currently working on opening it up as well, because right now it's just a solid print. So we are planning to make it uh, functional. Wow. So you can like this. So it does this. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> That's really cool, man. Well, I am really uh, tremendously excited about all this stuff that you have uh, created. And I'm looking forward to seeing what you come up with next. And I wanted to go ahead and announce uh, this, uh, th this is like a, how, what do you call this? Like the secondary replicator look? What, what's, what's the explanation for this compared I've, to the other guy? I think you're accurate with that one. I think we'll go for that one. It's okay. the other appearance, I guess. Yeah. Right. Appe appearance too. Yeah. Appearance too. These, uh, this one started appearing, I think in enemies in season five of, uh, Stargate SG one. And Kevin and I wanted to announce that this little dude right here, this is a half scale replicator is going to be, uh, given away at the GateCon 2022 auction in September. So if you are planning on going to GateCon or planning on, uh, having someone who's going to GateCon, this, uh, little Tootsie will be available for sale in the, uh, GateCon auction this year, uh, provided by, uh, Dial the Gate and more specifically 3dtech.pro. So I appreciate you making that possible. Of course. Yeah. It's amazing to be, ha to have the opportunity to do something like this.
Absolutely. Kevin, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on, and I'm just in awe of uh, of your talent and am continually impressed by everything that you produce. And just thank you so much for uh, for making my set happen and uh, <laughs> and being a part of this journey with me. Uh, yes, same same to you. It's amazing to be here. Thanks so much to Kevin Sabo of 3dtech.pro uh, for his time and sharing his his process. It's amazing to learn about uh, this burgeoning industry and where it's going to be going next. I, I think the, the sky's the limit. If you like what you've seen in this episode, uh, I appreciate you clicking the like button. And if you want to support the show further, buy yourself some of our themed swag. We're now offering t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, and hoodies for all ages, as well as cups and other accessories in a variety of sizes and colors at dialthegate.com slash merch. You can go down the list, click on a design that you like, and then you go in and see see what merchandise is being offered based on that uh, design. Checkout is fast and easy, and you can use your credit card or PayPal. Just visit dialthegate.com slash merch. And thanks so much for your support. This show would not be possible without my uh, production team, my producer, Linda, the Gate Gabber Fury, as well as my moderating staff, Summer, Tracy, Keith, Jeremy Reese, and Anthony. They make the show possible week after week. Big thanks to Frederick Barku at Concepts Web, our web developer who keeps Dial the Gate up and running, and Jeremy Heiner who keeps the site up to date as well. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate you helping to make the show continue to be possible. My name is David Reed for Dial the Gate, and we'll see you on the other side. Dial the Gate is hosted and executive produced by David Reed. The producers are Darren Sumner and Linda Fury. The composer is Neil Acree. Animations by Bryce Ors. The moderators are Summer Roy, Keith O'Mell, Tracy Noller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo design is by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots. The webmaster is Frederick Marcoux. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Frederick Marcoux. For inquiries, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes at dialthegate.com. Thanks for listening.